0: Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh Masha'Allah Jazakallah wa khairan For your kindness And for your patience May Allah reward you all Masha'Allah Yesterday Was A historic day for Not just the UK but for the world Alhamdulillah They say reported There were 800,000 people marching in the streets of London but being there myself I can assure you there must have been much more where you've got the BBC this is very clear now the BBC are reporting only 300,000 whereas last week there were more than half a million 500,000 for sure so uh, who, who was there yesterday? Some raise of hands okay MashaAllah, may Allah reward you all and I'm sure the others who went you had a good excuse not to be there uh, i I believe that genuinely because only those people didn't attend yesterday um, who had something on or had some valid excuse because yesterday's March was a very different kind of March it was unprecedented in terms of not just numbers but in the way people got together and alhamdulillah it was extremely peaceful um, and we believe that all the actions that is taking, even now, you guys are here. It might seem small to you that you've attended um, and you're sitting here, or maybe you go to any other event, or those of you partaking in marches or protests in Birmingham or elsewhere. Every single step that every person is taking is making a massive difference. You might not see it, you might not be able to see it, you might, see it. You might think, What difference is it going to make? But it is making a difference. Everything makes a difference. In the eyes of Allah, in the sight of Allah, everything makes a difference. And what's happening on the flip side, like this is a time where every single one of us, we can't sit back. We will only sit back if we believe that what we're doing is not having a difference. So first of all, in the sight of Allah, everything is valued. If nobody sees it, Allah sees it. You might think in those crowds, like I've had to ask who was there because, you know, you didn't see me, I didn't see you. But there were thousands and thousands of people. So you might think, well, how does anyone know if you even attended? So first of all, if you increase the crowd, you are from amongst them. This is actually a hadith that the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam says, Man wa sawadu minhum. Whoever increases the numbers of a people, you are considered to be amongst them. So if there's a group of people and they're doing some kind of evil, and you go and increase the number just by standing there, the Prophet Sallallahu saying, you're from amongst them. Even though you're not perpetrating the act, even if you're not doing what they're doing, just by standing with them, you're considered being amongst them. So those people marching for peace, for a ceasefire, calling people like Suela to step down and ensuring that justice is meted out throughout the world, especially in Palestine right now as we speak. Because remember, people like Netanyahu are calling Palestinian children, children of darkness. This is how he's referred to them. These are children of darkness. You can see there is a concentrated effort to kill the children. To kill the babies? Why is it only hospitals that are being attacked mainly? Why is it maternity unit in the hospitals? You know, and we're saying, okay, don't kill the children. Whereas here there's an intentional attack on children. There's an intentional attack on hospitals. How many people are losing their lives because they are cancer patients? Every single day we're seeing that people in hospitals are the ones losing their life the worst, without electricity, without treatment, without the doctors, without access, without water and babies and children. So may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bring about a better situation. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allow us to continue working for this cause. This is not a time to back down or step down. Their efforts are increasing day by day. The the attacks are becoming much more severe. The, the words they are using, they're calling Muslim children and people Amalik. Amalik were the people that the Bani Israel had to fight to get into Baytul Maqdis. We're not Amalik, right? We're not children of darkness and we're not animals as well. Uh, but these are the things that are being used so that it becomes easier for them and they're using religion in the name of religion, they're distorting the religious religion. Yesterday at the march, there was an organization one of the main organizations is a jewish organization jewish organization led by jewish people a thousand people attended from this organization and the lady uh, who who is one of the main people of this organization she, she actually gave a speech as well and she said the her final closing words were that addressing the government if you want to do this do it in your name don't do it in our name not in our name We are not endorsing this. This is not a Jewish war. You're doing it in your name. Don't do it in our name because there are a thousand strong people from our organization standing here that are saying that we do not agree with this. This is not us. This is not who we are. So it's not about being anti-Semitic. That's not the issue. This is what's being said now. Anybody who speaks against. So yesterday you will have seen uh, and, and this is our duty now. We need to challenge these things. We need to show the world especially people we know, our work colleagues, our neighbors, uh, our friends, non-Muslims, especially people we know, we need to speak to them because if you look up up the rhetoric that's in a lot of of the news immediately after the march, you will see that, oh, there was a lot of anti-Semitic placards. Now, anti-Semitic placards, it's only showing that Israel is a terrorist state, for example, or Israel XYZ, that's not anti-Semitic. Speaking about Israel and its policies is not anti-semitic, but this is what's being pushed and as Muslims We have to be wise we have to be careful, and we must understand how to tackle this now Otherwise slowly 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 you wouldn't even be able to read the Quran as well and as Muslims Sometimes we become so naive and we become so soft in our approach in these kind of things where we're gonna we, we make compromises I'm we're not saying Uh, Be hateful. We're not saying be violent. We're not we're not saying that just be truthful and honest We're saying stand up for justice Otherwise these people are gonna have yourselves hating yourselves hating your religion You're not saying anything wrong that what's wrong with saying that if somebody can say something about Britain or another country America for example if you were to say America is XYZ what does that make you? Does it make you, make you anti, I don't know, anti-Christian, whatever the word is for that? No, it doesn't. So this is, this is a lie which is being pushed. And it's a tool that is being used to demonize people. That, oh, this is anti-Semitic, it's anti-Semitic, it's anti-Semitic. No, we're not saying anything about the Jews, about the Yahud. Because we know the Prophet wasallam himself throughout his life, he had dealings with the Yahud, the Yahud lived with the Prophet Sallallahu He Sallallahu Wasallam, he traded with them as well, he purchased from them as well. He had dealings with them as well. He had neighbors that were amongst the Yahud and dealt with them in a, in a brilliant way. Yes, there are good and bad in all people, just like in Muslims, in Christians, in Jews, in every people, there will be good and the bad. Those people who, who, who dealt with the Prophet ﷺ in a way where they broke a treaty, for example, the Prophet ﷺ would deal with them accordingly. But those who didn't, the Prophet ﷺ had good relations. So exactly in the same way, it's, not about, it's about the actions of injustice we're speaking about. If there is a people that is carrying out injustice, we are speaking about those individuals. If a country is responsible for that, which is now Israel, we're speaking about the country and its policies and the government. And the greatest thing is currently now, How many individuals from the Israeli public are speaking up against the government? Yesterday there was a massive demonstration in Tel Aviv, absolutely huge, demanding that the Israeli government must agree some kind of a prisoner swap deal so that we can put an end to this massacre and put an end to this fear that is there amongst the people. So, what you're doing is having a massive impact. Keep going. That's the message. Keep going. Trust in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and keep going. Whether it be attending circles like this, whether it be other marches that are organized, whether that be engaging politically with your MPs. Next Wednesday, they're going to be voting and the amendments will be made. So you still have time. Don't think, oh no, I wasn't able to do it. No, if you can still, those of you who haven't emailed your MPs, you haven't written to your councillors, you haven't applied pressure, still you have time keep doing it, keep doing it. Because even if we can make a change, even the Arabs got together yesterday, right? And I know it might just be words and whatnot, but even that's a huge thing where they've all come together and said, ceasefire now basically. And yes, maybe it didn't go further than that, but it's something, it's something which even we know they don't mean it, some of them don't mean it. But the fact that there, you, you are applying pressure and they have to say that it still has some weight maybe not in the world but it has weight I'm talking about your actions that you're doing because on the day of judgment is gonna ask you Allah's going to ask you what did you do and if you say that this is how much in Juma we spoke about this specifically ربكم, that put your excuse forward to Allah put your excuse forward that how am I going to absolve myself In the court of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the condition in Palestine is not just about Gaza remember this from 1948 until now they have been after every part of Palestine yesterday they arrested a four-year-old boy in Jerusalem how old four-year-old boy why because he dropped a toy. Do you know children in a pushchair, in a prom? They, you know, they they drop their toys. Or if they're playing outside a window, they drop a toy. Four-year-old kid, right, he dropped a toy. And there must have been some settlers passing by. So the police literally went into the house. They ransacked it and they arrested a four-year-old boy. And even they knew, the reporters say that the police were laughing their heads off when they're doing the questioning, because they know. But this is to terrorize and instill fear in the people, and to humiliate them, and to facilitate a pathway for the extremist right-wing settlers, for them to roam freely in the lands, in the houses, in the areas that belong to Palestinians. To steal them, to kick them out, to displace them. And then to give it to another people. Similarly, how many people have been arrested in Jerusalem in the West Bank? There are areas that are being attacked constantly. There was an airstrike in the West Bank not so long ago. Can you imagine that? You think the war is happening in Gaza. There was an airstrike in the West Bank, and constantly they have been attacking, uh, killing people. Killing. We're not just saying attacking now. How many people have been killed in the areas of Jerusalem and the West Bank just over the last few weeks. So this requires our attention even more. The situation is getting worse as the day goes by and it requires you and me to carry on doing whatever we can inshaAllah to present in Allah's court, to stand up for justice and to demand that these things stop right now. As I said earlier, you might think, what difference is it making it is making a difference whether you be avoiding certain products and as Mufti Taqi Osmani mentions in one of his talks which he gave very recently that if there was a company that was funding the killing of someone like someone from your family and it was only one percent some people think that okay their contribution to the war or to that particular country, is very minimal. What difference will it make? He says, this, this is not about a fatwa. That should you shop here, should you not shop here? Because it's nothing to do with fatwa. This is a moral imani responsibility. If you have any iman inside you, your iman shouldn't want you to associate with anything, even if it's 1% responsible for the killing of innocent lives. Even if it's just 1%. So don't go into this that, oh, it's only 5% or 10% is saying, because you've been given a handful of places. I'm not talking about the huge lists that come to you, right? Pages and pages and pages. That's just idiotic. That's just being stupid. That's what all I'll say. That is not how Muslims don't work like that. Muslims do not operate in this way. Muslims are strategic. Muslims have a vision. Muslims do things with a lot of thought it doesn't work like that that's not how you choose to abandon a certain thing to have impact if you want to have impact it has to be targeted it has to be collective and it has to be calculated and that can only be done when you're aiming for three four five products or brands that's how it works you can't have a list of hundreds of things and tell everybody to avoid them all that's not even practically possible. And that's not even... I, I would go as far as to say that you are the problem. Rather, I think this is, a, this is, this is what the enemy would want. This is what shaitan would want. That everybody, get on your phone and start forwarding these massive lists. Boycott all of these products. I think this is the work of shaitan. This is the work of the enemy. Why? Because when people receive this list... They'll, they'll feel despondent, they'll lose hope, oh, I can't do this. How can I avoid all of these brands? So then you'll just think, forget it. I'm just going to use it, I'm just going to use all of them. And then you'll, you'll, you won't be interested. Why are we making the life difficult for the people? Targeted, speak to people who know what they're saying. Please, 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 for the sake of Allah, do not forward random messages. Especially at such times, do not forward random messages. Who do you think you are that you feel that your whole broadcast list should read your message? What I'm saying is a bit severe and I don't want anyone to be offended. (laughs) But why do you think that you should be the one broadcasting the message? What What is so important about what you've got to say? I'm not saying it isn't. But do you stand with it? Can you verify it? Why do you feel that you can, you know, bombard people's inboxes with video upon video, message upon message, right? Some of us just do it you've not even watched the video yourself. You don't even know the content of the information. You haven't verified it. And we're just, I'm not, listen, I'm not saying don't forward things. I'm not saying don't share things, but do it mindfully. Do it consciously. Do you know why? Because people then just get desensitized. You tell me yourself, how many videos are you receiving now? How many images are you receiving now? How often does the apper you just ignore what comes now? You start ignoring it. Right? Muslims are sensible. Muslims are calculated. Muslims do not act without thought. So, something comes to you, binaba how many videos are we seeing now which have got nothing to do with what's going on and it's just instilling fear i give you one example how many of you have seen that video where there is a hole there's a ditch and it's full of tires and people are being pushed in and shot one by one i've had this message from so many people and they send it to me crying that we are heartbroken how can such a thing happen We can't speak to anybody. We've just become numb for the last so many hours. And I I look at it and think, oh, this this has been circulating for a long time. This doesn't look like from Palestine at all. This is probably from Syria or something. And that's overtaken your life, whereas it's got nothing to do with this. And even if it did, even if it did, why would you forward something like that? Why are you making people lose hope? Why are you going opposite, that we're supposed to be boosting people's morale. Not making people lose hope and creating despondency. So our task is not to create despondency, because despondency is kufr. Taking people away from having trust and hope in Allah, this is kufr. Our job and responsibility is to instill hope in people, is to give people more trust, is to give people, show people that there is light at the end of the tunnel. And that is what the people of Gaza are doing. Why is it that they can operate in total darkness just by using the light of the mobile phone and they're continuing. You know, they could just think, you know, this child's gonna die anyway. Just let's just leave the child. You know, this person is suffering anyway. Why should we pull somebody out from under the rubble? You know, everyone's died anyway. Their whole family is gone. Why, why save somebody? But no, they are still working despite themselves have lost all their family members, despite themselves being wounded, despite knowing that maybe we might save this person and they might die five minutes later. But they don't lose hope. They're doing whatever they can for the sake of Allah. And who's watching them? Who's watching them? Can anybody see? The world is cut off from them. But whatever little that you do see, you can see that they are conscious of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. What they are saying is, "Hasbunallahu, wa al wakeel So our job, our responsibility on this side of the world is to keep going, is to not stop. Do whatever we can and to continue with our du'as. Number one, du'a. You know, this is a huge test for us. Du'a. Do we make du'a or not? We speak, we act, we march, we do all of these things. Are we making du'a? Individually, first of all. Because this is something that we can all do, and it's a huge weapon. We must be making dua every single day. Dua. Until when do we make dua? Until when? Jazakallah. Until Palestine is free. Masjid Al-Aqsa is free. The occupation ends. We continue. It's not something that we just do now when the news is showing things. Because obviously you have seen the news is very temperamental. They show you what they want to show you. Let's take an example BBC's headline is still 300,000 people what the pro-Palestinian march and what's very interesting is they arrested in the beginning about 82 people and these were from the far right EDL groups etc Um, so overall the Palestinian march was very peaceful if anybody tells you anything otherwise it's not true yeah I can imagine there might have been certain few things here and there uh, you get idiots everywhere um, but other than that it was extremely peaceful you know when they call it a hate march you know nothing like that this was all provoked these people were provoked police did an absolutely brilliant job They were police from all over the country even from Scotland like they were saying that like, we don't know where we are we don't know where we- all we know is we're standing somewhere in London we don't know where we are and they did an absolutely ter- uh, fantastic job in ensuring that no right-wing mobs managed to get to where the protest is and overall, Alhamdulillah, it was very well managed and um, persecuted, the, 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 sorry, um, ex- executed the whole from beginning to end. And I can imagine it's, a, it's such a huge job to be able to organize something like this in the streets of London where it's so busy. But to be able to see, Alhamdulillah, so many people up and down the country and around the world, around the world, standing up for the Palestinian cause, standing up for Masjid Al-Aqsa, standing up for justice and peace, we know that it will have an impact. It might not impact the way you want it to. Right? I know what you want. You want to see everything change. You want to see a radical just, you know, everything's... Peace and whatnot. You might not see it like that the way you want. But there is a shift. There is a massive shift globally happening. Might be slow, might not be exactly how we would have expected it, but there is a massive shift. People are speaking out. Put Muslims aside, we've got many, many, many non Muslims. And this is a whole, this is a massive, public opinion, public opinion is changing. It's massively changing. And to be honest, what's causing it is the genocide. On one side, the genocide is horrible. But on the flip side, once it happens, that is what's changing public opinion. Because we do have humanity left in some humans in the world. And they can see for what it is. They can see and understand that this is. And you know what? A lot of the stories and events that have happened, now their own papers, and their own media are doing a job of verifying things and even that they are changing now that we said x y and z about so and so incident about beheading babies for example that didn't happen and they have done the, forget muslim organizations doing it their own organizations their own media is going and verifying and you will see the numbers being changed now the lines being changed now, but of course for us it's too late because on the basis of that, like they did for weapons of mass destruction, they've gone and destroyed the whole of Hazza. So similarly here as well, the damage is done. But still, at least people will learn some element of the truth and be able to see that this is a war machine and this is a genocide and an ethnic cleansing that is being carried out. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us the understanding. Let's go on to today's lesson insha'Allah. So we've been speaking about the history of Masjid Al-Aqsa in Jerusalem over the last so many sessions. Today we have, by the way, this this is week 100 in our Great Fajr campaign. So we didn't start four weeks ago. This is week 100 in our Fajr campaign, so Jazakallahu Khairan to you guys for making it, if it wasn't for you guys then we wouldn't be here, so may Allah reward your attendance, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allow us to continue and bring bring as many people as you can every week, um, you know the, the Fajr time is getting later as well so it's easier for people, so invite people because when we when we know when we're in the know when we have the spirituality and the boost inshallah our work will be much more powerful it will be much more effective and it won't die out inshallah when we are in the know when we have the understanding so what do you know about masjid al-aqsa lesson 22 we are speaking about the islamic history of jerusalem now and this is part two of the islamic history of jerusalem and today's discussion will be regarding the era and the time period of the Khulafa Ar-Rashidun, the rightly guided caliphs. So after the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam passes away, Sayyiduna Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu continues working towards the conquest of Jerusalem. After assuming the caliphate, Abu Bakr radiallahu ta'ala undeterred by the uncertainty and the changes, Following the Prophet sallallahu alaihi demise, we know when the Prophet sallallahu passed away, there were many many challenges. There were many people that became apostate. They said, "We're not. We don't believe in Islam anymore. Islam has died. We're not going to perform Salah. We're not going to give Zakat." So he remained undeterred, and he remained resolute in dispatching the army of Osama bin Zaid anhu. This was pending the army of Osama bin Zaid was being sent to the direction of Baytul Maqdis to the Levant, and the Prophet ﷺ passes away. And they'd only reach the outskirts of Medina. Sahaba Sayyid Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu don't send it. It's a very critical, sensitive time. And he said that by the one in whose hand is my soul, this is Abu Bakr radiallahu Ta'ala anhu, even if the wild beasts of Medina were to threaten me, I would still send Osama bin Zaid's army As the Prophet had commanded. Even if I were the only one left in the city, if everybody had abandoned me, if you all go against me and it's only me, one man alone, even then I would send this army. Recognizing the army's significance, which the Prophet had prepared, he sent it forth immediately upon becoming the Khalifa. So, one of the first things he did was to dispatch the army of Osama bin Zaid because this was the last thing the Prophet ﷺ did. And he passed away. So the first thing Abu Bakr who does was sends this army of Osama bin Zaid. The return of the army of Osama bin Zaid coincided with the apostasy of many Arab tribes which delayed the conquest of Asham during the time of Abu Bakr Abu Bakr was so determined to work towards Asham but you had the people leaving Islam, so they had to deal with that first. His caliphate, though it was brief, was marked by the deployment of Osama's army anhu, and the apostasy wars, which consumed a full year. The huruba al-Ridda, which we call, and imagine, Sayyidina Abu Bakr عنه, was only Khalifa for how long? Two years. But imagine how blessed and noble those two years were. That his khilafah initiated with the dispatchment of the army of Osama bin Zaid, and then the rest of the time was fighting those people who had engaged in leaving Islam. Yep. Yes. Yep. So the son of Zaid ibn Haritha was the adopted son of the Prophet ﷺ. and remember Zaid ibn Haritha was the beloved of the Prophet ﷺ, which makes Usama the beloved of the beloved of the beloved and his father had been killed in one of the earlier battles in ash in the region of Baytul Maqdis. so Usama bin Zaid was being sent and there is a clear instruction from the Prophet sallallahu that keep going until you reach the place where your father was killed so they were going in the same direction again towards the Baytul Maqdis region. Once these wars were concluded, Abu Bakr ta'ala anhu dispatched armies to the Levant, to the Ash'am, uh, leading to several pivotal battles against the Romans, the Byzantines, including the Battle of Dathin. So one of the first battles that happened during the time of Abu Bakr ta'ala anhu, was called the Battle of Dathin. And Dathin actually happened, do you know where? In uh, Dar al-Balah, which is in the Gaza Strip now, so literally this is related to our history in in the Gaza Strip right now. Al-Balah, you will see a neighborhood. This is where the Ma'arikatul Adathin happened, uh, under the instruction of Sayyiduna Abu Bakr against the Romans, and then you have Ajnadain again, which happens uh, in Palestine and fihl bisan So these are three. Huge battles that took place prior to the main battle, the most significant one, which was known as anybody the Battle of Yarmouk, Battle of Yarmouk, and all of these took place under the command of Khalid bin Walid. Radiallahu ta'ala, anhu. So, Sayyidina Abu Bakr ta'ala, anhu, had appointed Khalid bin Walid to lead all of these battles. Then the Roman. Meaning we're talking about the Byzantine successive defeats to the Muslim forces initiated their decline in the Levant. So all of these battles took place and the Romans, meaning the Byzantines, they faced defeat and it started weakening them. Then Heraclius mustered a force of 72,000 soldiers to face the Muslims and the Muslims were only 30,000 And they were led at this time by uh, Abu Ubaida Amir ibn al-Jarrah, r.a. Despite the Roman, meaning the Byzantine, superior military strength, the Muslims secured a decisive victory by the Yarmouk River. This is in the year 15 after Hijrah. Due to their faith, their sacrifice, and strategic prowess, under the leadership of both Abu Ubaidah ibn al-Jarrah and Sayyiduna Khalid ibn al-Walid, r.a. This battle ended Byzantine rule over the Levant. So this was a decisive battle, the battle of Yarmouk. And it ended the Roman, the Byzantine rule over the Levant and it paved the way for Muslims entry into Jerusalem. If it wasn't for the battle of Yarmouk, Muslims would not have made it to Jerusalem. So there was the, the battle of Adathim, Ajnadain, al uh, baysan All of these happened first. And then the grand battle in Al Yarmouk, and then the following year, Muslims entered into Jerusalem. Gaining control over key Syrian cities, the Muslims faced Heracles' Hiraql, Hiraql, last attempt for them to reclaim the Byzantine Empire. Heracles' large army forced the Muslims to tactically retreat from Damascus and Hims, regrouping near the Yarmouk area to confront the uh, enemy on a chosen battlefield. So they had an advantage. And upon Umar upon Abu Bakr anh, whose demise, Umar bin Khattab radiyallahu anhu succeeded him appointing Abu Ubaidah ibn al-Jarrah to lead the army. So one of the first things that Umar radiyallahu did when he became the Khalifa, so Abu Bakr radiyallahu passed away now. Umar radiyallahu anhu when he became the Khalifa, the first thing he did, he replaced Khalid bin Walid. Khalid bin Walid, you step down. Abu Ubaidah, you become the Amir. And later on in his own words, he says that this wasn't done because Omar despised me. It wasn't done because of any kind of difference that we had. Um, And people tried to uh, spread these rumors. And even now people speak in this way. But Omar had some wisdom. He had an understanding. A time came when people were pointing fingers at Khalid and saying, this is happening because of Khalid. Because of Khalid, we are victorious. Because of Khalid bin Walid, we are winning in the battles. Power is in the hands of Khalid. So at times like this, it's better to remove, to show that actually power comes from who? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Our trust, our reliance is in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Yes, Allah utilizes certain individuals. And Khalid bin Walid, he himself says, what does he attribute his victory to? He says, "I managed to get hold of some strands of the blessed hair of the Prophet He says, "I took these and I stuck them into my helmet, inside my helmet, and I would wear that helmet into the battle. When I would go into the battle, having these blessed hair of the Prophet ﷺ stuck to my helmet, Allah Subhanahu wa Taala would give victory." Tabarraq bi athari salihin. This is mentioned in the scholars of hadith speak about this that these, uh, these relics, the sacred relics from the Anbiya والسلام, and pious people uh, bring about the Barakah of Allah. Remember Barakah comes from Allah. It comes from Allah. If Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala chooses to bless somebody because of something that Allah loves. Nobody can stop Allah. If Allah wants to give the Barakah, why are you stopping it? Allah wants to give the Barakah and we see this in the life of the Prophet through the actions of the Sahaba and afterwards as well. So, Khalid ibn Walid radiallahu anhu, and again, Khalid bin Walid had a very different strategy to Abu Ubaidah ibn Jarrah. Abu Ubaidah ibn Jarrah, uh, you know, he used diplomacy, he was very tactful, he wanted peace, and this is why we see the conquest of Jerusalem was done in a very peaceful way. There was no fighting involved. So, upon the demise of Abu Bakr radiallahu ta'ala anhu, Sayyidina. Umar anhu succeeded him by appointing Abu Ubaidah, Amir ibn al-Jarrah تلانه, to lead the army. When Abu Ubaidah besieged Jerusalem, he sought a peaceful surrender, reminiscent of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi approach to the conquest of Mecca. When the Prophet came to Makkah al-Mukarramah as a conqueror, he didn't go and fight the people. It was done very peacefully. Yes, there was a list of people. Uh, who the prophet sallallahu mentioned as an exception, but besides that he gave people amn He gave people amnesty. He gave people safety. So similarly here Abu Ubaidah ibn Jarrah jabrah anhu wanted a peaceful surrender and the patriarch of Jerusalem who was Sophronius He requested that of course send your Amir al-Mu'mineen Umar bin Khattab radiallahu anhu to accept the city's surrender Umar radiallahu anhu enters Jerusalem in the year 16th after hijrah, initiating then we're going fast forward now. He comes, he accepts the keys of Jerusalem. He goes inside Masjid al-Aqsa and he constructs a prayer hall inside Masjid al-Aqsa. Now this is interesting. Umar radiallahu anhu, he is given a tour of Jerusalem by a former rabbi. His name is Kaab Ahbar. He was a rabbi, very knowledgeable of the of the books of the past. He accepted Islam. He became a Muslim, so he's now a tabi'i, not a sahabi. He's a tabi'i. He didn't see the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, so he's a tabi'i, and he gives the uh, Omar radhi Muslims the tool. When inside Masjid al-Aqsa, the Christians had used Masjid al-Aqsa, the land of Masjid al-Aqsa, as a um, a dumping ground and they started cleaning and once the cleaning was over he asked Ka'ab ahbar where should i place the musalla inside masjid al aqsa remember how many masjids are there in masjid al aqsa one how many masjids in masjid al aqsa the 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 answer is in the question the answer is in the quran the answer is in the word masjid there is only one masjid what is it called Masjid Al-Aqsa What Allah calls it in the Quran, let's not change this Because it will have consequences And it is having consequences There's only one Masjid, it's called Al-Masjid Al-Aqsa Everything within the outer wall Like some scholars have said, is Masjid Al-Aqsa Now when inside Masjid Al-Aqsa Sayyiduna Umar radiallahu anhu Masjid Al-Aqsa is huge And at that time, there were no buildings inside Masjid Al-Aqsa No building at all, no roofed structure so to pray, to pray, even in the countries. Now, if you've been to Palestine, you know the climate of Palestine, not just Palestine, any country, even Arabian countries. You don't have a roof just for the cold or for the, uh, to protect you from the rain. It's also to protect you from the sun as well, any kind of element. So if you see Masjid Nabawi and the construction of Masjid Nabawi, you will see some of it has a roof and some of it is open. I'm talking about at the time of the Prophet Sallallahu Even now you see that as well. There are certain areas in Masjid Nabi where the umbrellas are, which is open. Look at the Kaaba, for example, al Masjid Al Haram, right? You've got the Kaaba, which is a structure. And then the rest of it is all open before it was only that big. The area that's open that would be Al Masjid Al Haram. So Masjid Al Aqsa is 144,000 square meters of land there's no building, there was no building on it. It was just a land. In the middle of it is the peak of a mountain under which today stands where the Dome of the Rock is, there's a mountain there. And that's a natural mountain. So Masjid Al-Aqsa would be like, it would go like this and it would go up. This is the middle of it. And then it would go severely down. Where the Qibla end is, it would be the summit of the mountain, it wouldn't even be the summit, it would be just declining. Because the mountain carries on going down where you see the area of Silwan. You can see the continuous decline so that would be on a very low end so Masjid Al-Aqsa would be like it would be starting off here this high goes like this and then half of Masjid Al-Aqsa would be like down here this is this is the shape of the original Masjid Al-Aqsa the Qibla end would be very far down but Umar anhu comes this is how Masjid Al-Aqsa was an empty land so he asks uh, Ka'ab Ahbar, that where should we place the Musalla? I want to build a Musalla where the Imam can gather with the people and pray. And he would protect them from the elements, from the wind, from the cold, from the sun, from the heat. So, uh, Ka'ab Ahbar suggested that why don't you place the Musalla and build it behind the rock, in which way you'll be facing towards the Kaaba and also having the rock in front of you as well. So Sayyidina Umar ta'ala said that you've still got some Yahudiya inside you. This is, this is, not, how we, this is not how we do things. The Prophet told us that we must pray at the front of the masajid, at the front of the masajid. So I'm going to pray and I'm going to build this just as the Prophet would instruct and this is how he prayed as well. This is how he وسلم, would pray in places to, from the front. You start from the front, right? So imagine this is our masjid, right? I'll, I'll tell you what Kaab Akbar is saying basically. So imagine this is Masjid Al-Aqsa, like our masjid. So in the center, imagine underneath this dome, imagine that's the dome of the rock, okay? Imagine under there is a rock. So what he is literally saying is behind the rock, you should place the musallah behind it. So, Umar ta'ala said, no, we're not going to do it there. That rock is no longer the Qibla. Why are you confusing the people? That used to be the Qibla before. Before, Ibn Al-Qayyim, explains very well. Just like Saturday, the Sabbath was holy for the people before. Then Allah took away the holiness of the Sabbath. And it's now placed in Jummah on Friday. Similarly, he says that rock used to be the Qibla before. It used to be the Qibla before. Allah took away the status of the Qibla from the rock and now it's only exclusively in the Kaaba. So, similarly, Omar ibn Khattab said, I'm not going to build it behind. And he came towards the front and he built a musallah. It was made of timber wood. Some say it would accommodate a thousand people, some have said it would accommodate three thousand people. And it remained intact until the time of Sayyiduna Muawiyah radiallahu anhu And Sayyiduna Muawiyah radiallahu ta'ala anhu In his time, he expanded it or he rebuilt it again Now remember, this building, this building was not in the place where we see the Musalla Qibli today The Musalla Qibli was not built by Umar radiallahu anhu Because remember, Musalla Qibli is high up didn't we just say Masjid Al-Aqsa went like this? Went like this, peak of the mountain, and then it would be like this. It would be lower down. So the Musalla of Umar would be underground. What we call the basement today. Of beneath the Musalla Qibli. That's where Umar radiallahu anhu's musalla was. And then Mu'awiyah radiallahu comes and he expands this. And after his time, very soon after his time, in the time of the Umayyads, The first thing that Umayyads did was, they built the Dome of the Rock. And then after the Dome of the Rock was built, then they wanted to build the Musalla Qibli. Now, how do we build a Musalla Qibli, a massive Musalla? How do we do that? Because it's a decline. So what they did was, this whole underground area, they built massive vaults, from one end of Masjid al-Aqsa to the other. Huge vaults. Why? So that gives support To the building that they want to build at the top, which is going to be Musalla Qibli. And they built a massive Musalla, consisting of 15 aisles. Today, if we look at Musalla Qibli, it only has 7 aisles. But Umayyads didn't build 7 aisles, they built 15 aisles. And people mistakenly are calling that Masjid al-Aqsa. How often do you find people calling that building Masjid al-Aqsa? Whereas the building that people are calling Masjid al-Aqsa, didn't even exist at the time of the Prophet Sallallahu Nor did it exist at the time of Umar anhu. Another mistake is to call it the Musalla of Umar Umar anhu didn't build there He built underneath The Umayyads who came up way after the Sahaba They are the ones who built the vaults Massive huge vaults If you've been underneath you can see Why did they build from one end of Masjid Al-Aqsa to the other? Why? So that they could give support to this huge building that's going to be built on top, called the Musalla Al-Qibli, 15 aisles. Now you might think, why is it only seven aisles now? Because there were recurring earthquakes. Every year there would be an earthquake, cause a lot of damage, then a lot of repair. And then in the Fatimid period, there was one of the Khalifa who decided that, why don't we reduce it to seven aisles, it'll protect it from continuous damage. And this is what happens. So in conclusion, Umar radiyallahu anhu, he unified Palestine. He appointed a person by the name of al bin Majzar al-Kinani as the governor, and he secured the people's right to residence and to worship, establishing the Islamic governance over the city of Jerusalem. The Christians and the people of other religions in Jerusalem were given safety, and there was a, an, a, a, a declaration given, that as long as they live peacefully here, we'll protect their churches, we'll protect their men, their women, their children, their rights, even their crosses. right? It it, it goes against Islam, but because they have accepted to live with us in peace, we will not attack them. We will not break down any churches. We will not destroy them. We will not dispel them from their homes. And that's what happens. We see historically under Muslim rule, people of all religions lived, and not only lived, they thrived. They thrived. And this can happen again so in conclusion just to summarize we started off by saying that Abu Bakr radiallahu who was the first Khalifa he upheld the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam's plan to send a military campaign to Asham, especially the army of Osama bin Zaid radiallahu whilst he was also managing the apostasy wars When we say apostasy wars, we mean these are people upon the demise of the Prophet who said that we're going to leave Islam. If the Prophet has passed away, that means Islam is dead. We don't want to believe anymore. So the Prophet's demise left this kind of uh, challenge for Abu Bakr So him sending this army at such a critical time was laying the groundwork for the future conquest which was to happen which means he played a significant role. Then the decisive battle of Yarmouk, led by the generals Abu Ubaida ibn al-Jarrah and Khalid bin Walid resulted in a Muslim victory against the large Byzantine Empire, signifying the end of Byzantine rule in the whole of the Levant and the Sham area, which is massive. And finally, Umar bin Khattab as the new Khalifa, He ensured the peaceful surrender of Jerusalem and he began the Islamic governance. And one of the first things he did inside Masjid Al-Aqsa was build a Musalla, not Masjid. So we don't say Masjid Qibli, don't use Masjid Qibli, don't say that. Even if you see on a poster, even if you see on YouTube, even if a scholar tells you, do not say Masjid Qibli, because we have to do what Allah says. And Allah calls the whole area Al-Masjid Al-Aqsa. There's only one masjid. The the, the building inside is not a masjid. You can't call that a masjid. We don't have a masjid inside a masjid. There's only one masjid. What's the one masjid? Al-Masjid Al-Aqsa. Now inside Al-Masjid Al-Aqsa, there are some designated prayer areas which are roofed. You don't have to pray there. You can pray anywhere in Masjid Al-Aqsa. To gain the reward. Yes, there's going to be one place where the Imam will stand with the people. Yes, we call that Al-Musalla Al-Qibli. Musalla Al-Qibli. It's the Qibli Musalla. We call it Musalla inside where Masjid aqsa So all of these places that you see, even the Dome of the Rock, the Dome of the Rock is situated in the heart of Masjid aqsa The Dome of the Rock is a very integral part of Masjid aqsa It's situated in the heart in the center of Masjid al-Aqsa is part of Masjid al-Aqsa you praying in the dome of the rock you're praying inside Masjid al-Aqsa of course you are you get the reward of praying inside Masjid al-Aqsa anywhere in the whole of al-Masjid al-Aqsa may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us a tawfiq we've done we've done Quranic recitation we will uh, inshallah do some dhikr and conclude with dua recite the ru'l sharif Allahumma salli
1: سبحان الله والحمد لله ولا إله إلا الله والله أكبر ولا حول ولا قوة إلا
0: بالله العلي العظيم سبحان الله
1: والحمد لله ولا إله إلا الله والله أكبر ولا حول ولا قوة
0: إلا بالله العلي العظيم سبحان الله
1: والحمد لله ولا إله إلا الله والله أكبر ولا حول ولا قوة إلا بالله العلي العظيم سبحان الله والحمد لله ولا إله إلا الله والله أكبر ولا حول ولا قوة إلا بالله العلي العظيم سبحان الله والحمد لله ولا إله إلا الله والله أكبر ولا حول ولا قوة إلا بالله
0: العلي العظيم Subhanallah, he will be handy, he, Subhanallah, he'll he will be handy, he, Subhanallah, he'll Subhanallah, he will be handy, he, Subhanallah, he he will be handy, Subhanallah, he سبحان الله العظيم سبحان الله وبحمده سبحان الله العظيم سبحان الله وبحمده سبحان الله العظيم سبحان الله وبحمده سبحان الله
1: العظيم استغفر الله استغفر الله استغفر الله استغفر الله استغفر <تصفيق> الله استغفر الله <تصفيق> الله Allah الله والله لا اله الا الله محمد رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم
0: بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى ال سيدنا محمد كما صليت على ابراهيم وعلى ال ابراهيم انك حميد مجيد اللهم بارك على سيدنا محمد وعلى ال سيدنا محمد كما باركت على إبراهيم وعلى آل إبراهيم إنك حميد مجيد يا ذا الجلال والإكرام يا ذا الجلال والإكرام يا ذا الجلال والإكرام. لا إله إلا أنت سبحانك إني كنت من الظالمين وإلهكم إله واحد لا إله إلا هو الرحمن الرحيم اللهم لا أحسن ثناء عليك أنت كما أثنيت على نفسك جز الله على سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم ما هو أهله؟ رضينا بالله وبالإسلام وبن محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم رسولنا Alhamdulillah الحمد لله الذي هدانا لهذا وما كنا لنهدى لولا أن هدانا الله اللهم لك الحمد كله ولك الشكر كله اللهم لك الحمد على Islam, الإيمان ولك الحمد على الإسلام ربنا ظلمنا أنفسنا وإن لم تغفر لنا وترحمنا لنكونن من الخاسرين حسبنا الله ونعم الوكيل حسبنا الله Husbun Allah, <laughs> who are Niamh Wakil. Husbun Allah, 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 who are al Mawla, al-Nasir, O kind Allah, O oh loving Allah, O oh most merciful Allah, O oh Allah, O oh Allah, you love to forgive sins, O oh Allah, grant us your forgiveness, O oh Allah, we are in need of your forgiveness, from head to toe, we are drowning in our sins, O oh Allah, O oh Allah, the ummah is running towards your disobedience, O oh Allah, you protect us and save us, O oh Allah, help us and purify us, O oh Allah, help us to stay away from your disobedience, O oh Allah, create the hatred of sins in our hearts, O oh Allah, help us to repent, O oh Allah, help us to to turn away from sin, O Allah, and turn to you, O Allah, turn us towards you, O Allah, grant us your love, O Allah. Grant us the love of your obedience, O Allah. Grant us a life of Taqwa, O Allah. Save us from Haram, O Allah. Grant us a life of Halal, O Allah. Make it easy for us to obey you, O Allah. O Allah, grant us the desire and the willingness to obey you, O Allah. Increase us in our iman, O Allah. Grant us the true love of Islam, O Allah. Increase us in our love for the Quran, O Allah. Allah, grant us focus in our salah, O Allah, help us to increase us, increase in our love for you through our salah, through our recitation, through our dhikr, through our sadaqah, through carrying out deeds that make you pleased, O Allah. O Allah, become pleased with us, O Allah. Become pleased with us, O Allah. Save God us from your wrath and your anger, O Allah. Help us to do those things that please you, O Allah. Help us to do those things that earn your pleasure, O Allah. Make us people who earn your pleasure, O Allah. Help us to become people that when when we leave the world you are pleased with us and we are pleased with you o allah save god us from your anger o allah save god us from being led astray o allah save god us from all types of fitna o allah save god us well from all types of fitna o allah save god us from all types of fitna o allah you protect us from all sides o allah from above and below o allah from in front and behind o allah from the right and from the left o allah grant us your divine protection o allah save god our iman o allah Protect our iman, O Allah Help us remain steadfast on the deen, O Allah Help us to increase in our salawat Upon the Prophet Sallallahu Wasallam During these testing times, O Allah Help us to revive his practices, O Allah Revive his sunnah within our homes, O Allah Revive his sunnah within our lives, O Allah Have mercy on the people of Ghazza, O Allah Have mercy upon the people of Ghazza, O Allah Have mercy upon the people of Ghazza, O Allah Shower them with your divine protection, O Allah Save them, O Allah. Protect them, O Allah. Grant them livelihood, O Allah. Grant them clean water to drink, O Allah. Grant them something to eat, O Allah. O Allah, safeguard them from the oppression, O Allah. Save them from the dhar O Allah. Save them from the mujerrimene, O Allah. Protect them from the airstrikes, O Allah. Protect them from the bombing, O Allah. Grant them a moment of peace and security, O Allah. Return their um to them, O Allah. Grant them justice, O Allah. Grant them an opportunity to live safely in this world, O Allah You come to their aid, O Allah You come to their rescue, O Allah You protect them, O Allah Put an end to the oppression and the occupation, O Allah Put an end to the criminality, O Allah Put an end to the genocide, O Allah O Allah, you, you, Allah Assist those who are assisting them, O Allah Assist those who are assisting the Palestinians, O Allah O Allah, you give them more strength, O Allah You give them more resilience. O Allah, you give them more sabr, O Allah. O Allah, pour sabr over them, O Allah. Pour sabr over them, O Allah. Help them to remain steadfast, O Allah. And assist them against the oppressors, O Allah. Assist them against the oppressors, O Allah. Assist them against the oppressors, O Allah. Grant freedom to Palestine, O Allah. Grant freedom to Palestine, O Allah. Grant liberation to al Aqsa, O Allah. Protect the sanctity of the Haramain Sharifain, O Allah. Protect the sanctity of Masjidul Aqsa. O Allah, Ungranted Liberation and Freedom, O Allah, Utilizes for this noble cause, O Allah, Utilizes and do not replaces, O Allah, O Allah, help the Muslim Ummah, O Allah, sustain the Ummah, O Allah, protect the Ummah, O Allah, guide the Ummah, O Allah, those people, those individuals who are carrying out the oppressions, O Allah, if you have not written guidance for them, O Allah, you deal with them in the manner that you seem fit, O Allah. You deal with them in a manner that you seem fit, O Allah. You deal with them, O Allah, because they cannot overpower you, O Allah. They have no power against you, O Allah. You are the Almighty, O Allah. You are the Almighty, O Allah. Allah, all power belongs to you, O Allah. All might belongs to you, O Allah. You are in full control of each and everything, O Allah. We don't know, but we know that you know, O Allah. You are all wise, oh Allah. Every action of yours is full of wisdom, oh Allah. Grant us the understanding, oh Allah. Allow us to trust you even more in these testing times, oh Allah. Increases in our tabakkul, oh Allah. Increases in our reliance upon you, oh Allah. Incre- increases in our yaqeen uh, on you, oh Allah. Just like you did to the Sahaba. When they saw the Ahzab, oh Allah. When they saw the armies coming towards them, oh Allah. They believed and they knew that this was your promise. And the promise of your Rasul Allah and he only increase them in in the iman o Allah o Allah increases in our iman o Allah and help us to remain firm o Allah everything that everyone has done who is sitting here and listening from wherever they are o Allah accept their gather, accept their attendance in this gathering o Allah accept those who went for the March yesterday o Allah make it a success o Allah make it a success o Allah run barakah in the steps that were taken o Allah run barakah in the words that were spoken o Allah Allah run baraka in the unity that the ummah so oh Allah throughout the world anyone who is walking, working working for this just cause, O oh Allah, reward them, O oh Allah. Grant them barakah, O oh Allah. Write their names amongst the liberators, O oh Allah. Grant them barakah in their livelihood, O oh Allah. Become pleased with them, O oh Allah. And all of this, O oh Allah, use it as a means, O oh Allah, towards the liberation. Subhana rabbika rabbil izzati amma yasifun.